Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. I just want to share, as I was, as I was praying, I just felt this. On Tuesday night, we were here at the ministry school. We have like 60-something odd students that's here for a ministry school. Just a bunch of crazy lovers of Jesus. How many of you are part of the school? Yeah. And in the midst of that, um, Andrew came in and he was sitting in the back and he's like, Pastor, I have this, where's Andrew at? Just, just this crazy shooting pain. He looked debilitated. I mean, he was in the car. I saw him when he came in. And I'm just thankful we're in this season where it's like nothing is impossible. How many of you know nothing is impossible for the Lord? As soon as he began to share, I'm like, no. And we just laid, I just laid, it was simple. Jesus, I thank you for your healing. I thank you it's available. And 20 minutes later, he was dancing. Have you seen him? His, his big old arms going. <laughs> He's like, I'm healed. This is the God we serve. And God has given us a measure of breakthrough, yet there's more. So I just want to make way for faith for this. That we're just beginning to see just a glimpse of what God wants to do. Not just at Abide in our region. From St. Pete all the way. This is what he wants to do. So I'm just thankful, man. David, I'm thankful for you and Ashley for your friendship, for, for all that you carry. We just, we just honor you. You're about to hear from, he'll never say this, so I'll say it, just the amount of faith that it takes to do what he does on a continual basis for the sake of regions that he may never step foot in again is just incredible. So years ago, you came into Tampa, and we are living in the fruit of what you sowed in Tampa two years ago. You guys won't know, but two years ago, they brought a tenant to Tampa, and we were pacing I mean, it was just incredible, and it brought such breakthrough to the region. To gather what we're experiencing as a community is the fruit, and God uses man. We're not going to minimize. God uses people and their yes. So I want to ask you to honor him as he comes and brings us to word this morning. Thank you, Gio. Man, I, I feel like it's just my privilege to be here. Um, I wish I could have been here last night. I heard it was incredible. Um, I love Alan Hood. He's been a longtime friend and um, just thankful. Hey, real quick, before we get going, um, can we just pray, pray together something? And maybe you can just say this together. Let's just say, come Holy Spirit. More. Even now, we invite your ministry all over this room. God, we put our face in the carpet and we say we want to be friends of the bridegroom that rejoice more in your voice than our own. Come Holy Spirit. We want to end this conference with all eyes on you. We want to end this conference being transfigured from one degree of glory to the next as we behold you with an unveiled face. And I, I pray this morning for grace to behold. I think somebody said it during worship, but Lord, touch our eyes. Open up our eyes today. Myself included, all of us in this room, we want to see you.
Jesus, we love you. We can't get enough. All this is for you, Jesus. All this is for you, Jesus. All this is for you. Jesus, all this is for you, Jesus. Come and consume, God, all we are. We give you permission. Lives are yours. We want you. We want you. And come and consume, God, all we are. We give you permission. Hearts are yours. We want you. We want you.
I just feel like some of you are looking around like, what on earth? <laughs> some, <laughs> what on earth? Just speak already. Just give me the word. But I just felt like the Lord wants you just to say, yes, Lord. Just put your hands out and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever you want, I'm yours. We want him, right, guys? We want him. Not just what we have in our mind, the way it needs to look. We want him. We say, yes, Lord. Our plans, God. We give you our plans, God. Direct our path, God. We give you our plans. We say, yes, Lord. We give it all to you, God. We give it all to you, God. We give it all to you, God. Your ways are higher, God. Your ways, your ways are better. Your wisdom is higher than our understanding. It's all about you, Jesus.
I just, I just feel like we need to pray real quick. Like we, I just feel like we need to give God access. I just, I just don't understand why people would be, would be happier with people being depressed in a room than happy. If, if you're offended and you would be like, you don't know that person that's laughing might have been depressed 30 seconds ago. God, we just, we pray for freedom. It doesn't have to look any kind of way, but God, we want, you said that you are the God of liberty. It's for freedom's sake. We pray for a liberation over your people. You said you would make us joyful in your house. Break the famine of joy. Break the famine of joy. We want your fullness. It doesn't have to manifest any which way, but we want you. We want you. We want people who are in love to be made joyful. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? We receive. I, I just feel that. I, I want to I admonish you as the leader. Why would you be more comfortable with sad, depressed saints who are making it through than with happy, joyful lovers of Jesus? So God, God we give you access. We, we're not going to put you in a box. We just, we just want all of you. We prayed this. this is, we fasted and we said, God, we want every aspect of you. We, we will not be offended by your work. There are people all over this city praying right now for a, an, a measure of what's happening in this room. So we acknowledge you, we thank you. We don't treat it lightly, we thank you God for releasing your presence. More Lord. More. More for Tampa Bay. More for Abai God. Give it to Gio right now.
more Lord come on I encourage you all over the room just to engage the Holy Spirit just speak to him ask him to fill you doesn't have to look a specific way you don't have to act a specific way but just open your heart directly to the Lord he's the teacher today Soon, God, all we are, we give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. And come and consume, God, all we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. We love you, and we'll never stop. We can't live without you, Jesus. And we love you. We can't get enough, and all this is for you. Psalm 36, 8. They feast on the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your delights.
Get her, Lord. I'm glad you guys could come to church this morning. I know there's some that this this kind of thing is new for you. You're just like, what in the world? But the Lord, um, the Lord is here. And you may not understand everything. That's okay. Jesus didn't ask you to check your brain at the door. It's okay to wrestle with things. But at the same time, keep an open heart. Because the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts higher than ours. And so there is a point at which you have to go, Jesus, I say yes to you. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it costs, there's a point at which you surrender. And uh, this morning, I, I had a whole message prepared on the plane. And I woke up this morning and I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And he said... He said this to me. He said, the river. And I I felt like, I felt like the Lord wants to open up our hearts to receive from him because, listen, this is a community, this is a movement that's going hard after the Lord. But how many of you know, if you're, if we are living in human zeal, it's gonna dry up. You were never meant to live in your zeal. The Bible speaks of the zeal of the Lord. That's a different deal. 
this gospel is not about just trying harder. This gospel is about receiving well. And he does all the heavy lifting. He does all the heavy lifting. It's like when you give your kids a gift and they go out and do something good with it or they give you back and, you, and you're so thankful as if they gave it to you. But all along, it just came from you in the first place. And I felt like, I felt like the Lord said, See, the problem is when you say, come Holy Spirit, sometimes he does it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> so the sustainability for what God is doing in Abide is not found in ourselves. It's the subject of God's emotions. I just want to say this clearly. The subject of God's emotions, which is his glory, sustains worship and prayer movements and missions and evangelism movements exclusively. Some of, some of you maybe have never considered in a serious way God's emotional life. But I want to tell you the secret The secret to your ability to obey Jesus in the long term is rooted in the revelation of the affections of God. And what's really happening here this morning? It's not just laughing. It's not just manifestations. Those are all responses. What's actually going on is we're drinking from the reality of God's nature. What I put this morning, I felt like the Lord said, pull up these notes. I haven't opened these notes in like probably 10 years. It's this message called the God of gladness. I was sitting over here with the God of gladness out, and I said, Lord, if you want me to preach on gladness, you need to send the wine. 
Gio said the verse earlier, Isaiah 56, verse 7, God speaks about the temple. He speaks to Israel, and he goes, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And then he says, and I will, speaking of Gentiles, any Gentiles in here? He goes, I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. I'm going to make you joyful. I don't know why we resist joy. We hold on to our fear, our insecurities, our anxieties, our anger. I don't know why we hold on to that. The Lord goes, I'm going to pry your fingers off all that stuff, and I'm going to make you joyful in my house. I'm going to make you abide the most happiest of people. <laughs> I just got through the first bullet point on my notes. Point B. You know, there's a famous verse about prayer, Isaiah 62. He says, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I've set watchmen all day, all night. They'll never be silent. A lot of people read that verse, but they don't pay attention to the verse that precedes that verse. Because the only way you get Isaiah 62, 6 is if you have Isaiah 62, 5. Isaiah 62, 5 says, And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. <laughs> I'm going to say that again because this is not the word of David Bradshaw. This is the word of the Lord. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And I will set watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem. Come on. Mm. I don't think you got that. I want to say a few things about God. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to just impart this to us. Some of these sentences I'm going to say right now are going to mess with you. <laughs> God is happy in the essence of his being. He's mostly happy, not mostly mad or sad. I'm going to say this again because we got to break the funk off. God is happy in the essence of his being. He's mostly joyful, not mostly mad and sad. In fact, if you look at eternity, look at eternity, then you could accurately say God is 99.9% .9 happy. 
in the core of his being. Whew. Jesus said, uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 1611, you've made known to me the path of life. And in your presence, there is, anybody know? Fullness. The maximum amount of joy available to be experienced in any environment is in the presence of God. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. <laughs> Take that, devil. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Peter calls it joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. I wonder if there's anybody in here that's ever touched joy that's inexpressible. It's a few people touching it a little bit right now, actually. <laughs> you know it's inexpressible when you got people saying, I can't breathe. <laughs> but guys, this is the foundation of the worship and prayer movement. And this is like 101, which is why it took me out of left field. But I feel it's critical that we become students of God's emotions for the rest of our lives. It says David was a man after God's own heart. What does that mean to be after God's own heart? It's not just a commitment to obey God. It is that. But God's heart involves his emotions. I'm not talking about emotionalism because if you build your life around how you feel, you're going to make a bunch of bad decisions because your emotions are fickle. They change every 24 hours or every 24 minutes. But God's emotional life is entirely trustworthy. Do you know Jesus never gets up on the wrong side of the bed? Do you know he never has a day that he's not delighting in you? At the fullness of the blazing intensity of his affections? Do you know there's never a moment, even in your weakness, when his love for you is quenched. Mm. So our emotions are fickle. We're not talking about exalting our human experience as an idol. I'm not saying your experience is the idol. I'm not saying your experience of God is God. I'm saying God is God. And God is joyful. I said that kind of intense. God is joyful.
So to become students of God's emotions, not just the experiences we have in corporate environments, but a lifelong pursuit, a lifelong conversation in the scriptures, in prayer, and with the community around the topic of God's nature, around the conversation that exists within the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who have been delighting in each other for billions of years and have invited you into the conversation. This becomes the foundation as expressed through the cross and the person of Jesus. Do you know that Jesus is the happiest man that's ever lived? Do you know the Bible says he's the happiest man that's ever lived? I'll show you where. Hebrews 1, 8 through 9. But to the Son, the Father says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. The writer of Hebrews is saying, Jesus is anointed. How many of you know there's an anointing called the oil of joy? It's God's affection. He imparts to us, and then Jesus is anointed with the oil of joy above all his companions. In other words, more than other human beings, more than other men. He's the happiest. I remember one time we were on a university campus and we we're walking around with all these kids who have no clue who Jesus is. They have a, a religious figment in their imagination, but they've never met the man. And one of these guys on our team just started walking up to random kids going, did you know Jesus is the happiest person that's ever lived? They're like, what? Yeah, it's real. That doesn't mean he's not angry at sin. It doesn't mean that there's not urgency that we repent of sin. But what it means is that God in the core of his being, it's because of his supreme affection and his supreme joy within himself that sin must be eradicated from the planet. These are not two different natures. God's not walking around confused. It's all one thing. If, if I was witnessing someone that I loved getting severely abused by another person and I was standing there watching it, my joy and affection and love for that person would compel me to resist that with all my strength. Is God frustrated? Is he, does he have zeal to overcome sin? Yes, but it's the same conversation and it's his gladness and his affection. Because sin is the cancer that's destroying the image bearers. Does that make sense? I mean, that's like, come Holy Spirit. Real quick, I want to look at um, um, Exodus 34.
because I believe that God's establishing a foundation in many of your lives to give decades of your life to the prayerful, fasting, study, reach of love into the revelation of God's personality and his affections. This is not a concept. This is not a theological premise. This is the foundation of your life. It's the source of your great joy. Many of us feel the source of our greatest joy will be the breakthrough in ministry or the breakthrough in our calling and destiny or the breakthrough in our assignment or the breakthrough in our finances or the breakthrough in our marriage. And the Lord goes, all of that is important to me. But I am not going to relent until your greatest joy is me. In fact, I might even resist you in those things. Any of you ever been resisted by the bridegroom? I've been resisted by him. In good things. I'm not talking about don't watch pornography. I'm talking about your calling. And you're like fighting for it. And all of a sudden you're like, why is God not opening the door? Why did God take Israel into the wilderness before the promised land? That wilderness was a marriage ceremony. Yeah. So Moses has witnessed the miracles of Exodus. You know the stories, Red Sea. I mean, stuff that I can't imagine witnessing firsthand, though I believe it's coming across the earth again in significant ways and is happening. But he's witnessed all of this. And the, and the people of Israel are still singing to a calf. God's going, what am I? God's about to start over. And Moses is in this intercession. And, uh, and you guys know the story. He goes, unless your presence goes with us, don't send us. In fact, God had said, I'll send a strong angel. I don't know if you guys have read that in Exodus 33. God goes, you're going to go in, and I'm going to send a strong angel with you. It's going to take out your enemies. It's going to be good. And Moses goes, no, nope. I don't need no angel. I want you. And you know what God said about it? He goes, I'm going to send the angel because I like you so much. He goes, if I go with you, I might smite you on the way. <laughs> and, that, and that's not because God's mean. It's because when God comes, he's all that he is. And, and, Moses, and he goes, Moses, if I send the angel, you guys remember what happened with Moses. He didn't get in. He had to send the next generation in. But he prayed the wise prayer. And then right in the culmination of it, 
the Lord said, and Moses erupts. The Lord says to Moses, verse 17, this very thing I've spoken, I will do for you, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And then Moses said, something erupts from Moses' heart. Please, show me your glory. He says, please, show me your glory. And he said, I will, God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim to you my name, the Lord gracious, to whom I will be gracious, and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for... Man shall not see my face and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me where you may stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. And then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now, there are types and shadows in the Old Testament. I just want to be absolutely clear with you right now. Christ Jesus is our cleft of the rock where the Lord has now placed us. Why? Not just so we can be forgiven of sin, which is critically helpful. But so that we can see him. Why did Jesus save you so you can see him? He saved you so you can encounter him. What? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's not the Bible, that's the Westminster Catechism. But that cleft of the rock is where you're placed now in Christ. Do you guys remember the veil was rent? You're placed in a position where now encountering his glory is your food. For everyone, not just, listen, I think that the reason people don't go after this in their personal life is they don't really believe it works. If, if I told you normal person, weak person, like me, like us, that, hey, there's, there's a million dollars in this building. Let's just go higher. Let's say trillion. And if you find it, you can have it. What? What? What does wisdom look like in that moment? Hey, there's a trillion dollars. All you got to do is find it. It's yours. You're not going to be like, well, good luck, guys. Even those of you with really pure hearts. I'm telling you right now, the pure hearted in here. You're going to be like, you know what? I know I'll do something good with that. Well, the problem with most, 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 most believers is they don't know what they have access to. They don't know they can see him. They don't know they can behold him. They don't have to be professional Christians. They can see him because the lamb has opened the door for everyone. And he's setting up communities like this that are, that are hosting his presence not just for our sakes, but for the people far from God. So Moses explodes out of his heart. And this is what I wanted to highlight down, 
in chapter 34, verse uh, 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed. The Lord descended in the cloud. Moses is in the cleft of the rock. The Lord descends in the cloud, and then he says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. What did God say in the climactic moment of Moses' life? The moment he'd longed for. The moment that defined him and defined a generation. The Lord thunders. We sang that this morning. He thunders. You know, a lot of times when we think of the Lord thundering, we're a little scared of the thunder. Because it is terrible. The fear of the Lord is real. It's, it's real. But what does the Lord thunder? The shock of all shocks. The most stunning fact in all of history is when you look up at God, he's smiling. I'm telling you. Mankind has had an orphan spirit for thousands of years. Anyway, Moses hears the thunder of God that we sang about this morning in the climactic encounter of his life. And the Lord says this, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, <laughs> abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Because the glory of God is the goodness of God. Can you see in this sentence, God goes, I'm going to put on display my emotional life for you because that's my glory. And so Moses then gives us language and he goes, he said, he's the first one to say this phrase. Our God is a consuming fire, a jealous God, right? He's the first one to give language. Moses goes, I've discovered something that God is not fundamentally power, he's fundamentally love. He possesses all power, but his nature is not just power, his nature is affection. He goes, the Lord God is a consuming fire, a bridegroom, a jealous God. And that jealousy, that's not a negative thing for those of us that are believers. That's the most positive, positivist of things. Because it means God has affection like a bridegroom. It's what we just read in Isaiah 62. So Moses is the first one to give language. He sees it in his life-altering pinnacle encounter with the Lord himself. He goes, the Lord shouts from the cloud, I am gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. That's my nature. And don't let any demon in hell convince you otherwise. That demonic lie has been perpetrating since the Garden of Eden. God's holding out on you. There's a better way. Pleasure is found somewhere else. Eat the fruit. It's the primary lie that's hitting the human race en masse is about the nature of God. 
We honestly think we can find joy outside of him. And I want to declare to you boldly before the powers of the air, there is no joy outside of him. He is the joy of our heart. All my fountains are in you. <laughs> so Moses gives it language. 500 years later, this guy comes along, this little shepherd boy in a field playing a harp. Nobody heard of him. His name's David. The Lord goes, I found a man. I found a man that's after an understanding of how I feel. After my heart. I found a kid in a field that gets it. I sought for a man and I found him after my own heart. He's a kid in a field. He knows nothing. But he knows everything. He found it. And he goes, that's what I'm going to exalt. That's the dynasty that's going to bring forth the Messiah. That's the culture of heaven. That's the culture I'm going to build on. It's somebody that goes, I'm after your heart. <laughs> and, and he looks, and then David starts saying phrases about God that seem illegal. David starts singing stuff about God that we now have in the Bible that we now take for granted. But imagine when he first said this. There's protocol just to get into the Holy of Holies. The high priest had to put a rope around him so he'd go in there in case he died. You could drag him out without having to go in yourself and die. God is holy. Now, all the people of Israel are aware God's powerful. He's terrifying. We must obey him. True, true, and true. But what they didn't know is what the kid in the field knew was that right at the core of God's being is pleasure forever. Yeah. And affection. And David starts saying phrases like, they feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your pleasure. What? He starts saying, I just read the phrases earlier. Hey, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David starts looking up and he says phrases like, your gentleness has made me great. What, David? Your gentleness has made me great? Were you there at Mount Sinai when it thundered and lightning and scared the heck out of everyone? What do you mean your gentleness has made me great? He goes, oh, that God of Genesis 1, he's humble. He's tender. He's compassionate. <laughs> he's full of loving kindness. This is the best news of our life. <laughs> he's full of extravagant pleasures, unspeakable joy and full of glory. Oh, we think we're going to get it out of money and stuff and sex and food. And he's like, what are you talking about? Those are all just indicators. They're pointing to something. <laughs> so David 
has the audacity to say things about God that no one had ever said. And I want to tell you, the tabernacle of David, which is where they worship 24-7 for 30-some-odd years in Jerusalem, that was then replicated over and over throughout Israel's history, which serves as the foundation of the revelation of the gospel and the new covenant where we now have access, and it goes on and on and on and on. The culture of heaven where 24 elders are throwing their crowns and playing harps. That's all rooted not in the activity of all of that. Because when prayer and worship and missions and evangelism become activities, when they become the epicenter, we actually lose the plot. The point is God's person. You'll never sustain increased prayer room hours, which, by the way, you will sustain increased prayer room hours because this, this is a revelation that already exists in this house. But you'll never sustain it if it is the focus. Prayer's not about prayer. Worship's not about worship. Evangelism's not about evangelism. I think about Marcus was wearing that William Seymour shirt yesterday. I think about William Seymour. What gripped that man's heart? 1906, Los Angeles. Humbled himself in the midst of racism. Had to sit outside of a classroom just to hear about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he was black. It was horrific. But he's so hungry. Got kicked out of his church. The only place they could meet was a little house on Bonnie Bray Street in uh, Los Angeles little group gathered in that house went after the Lord something possessed them that there must be more gripped their heart they couldn't sleep they're up at night going after it the Lord suddenly breaks in baptizes them in the fire of God and then that's the genesis or the catalyst I'll say it that way not the genesis but the catalyst of the Pentecostal and charismatic movements that now is the largest fasting growth fastest growing expression of Christianity in the whole world. But it was rooted in a man who saw what David saw. And then Daniel and Daniel seven, he sees a river of fire proceeding, proceeding. This is amazing. Daniel's caught up and he sees from the throne proceeds a river of fire. What is the river of fire? The river of fire. We know what the fire is. Remember? My God's a consuming fire. A what? Jealous God. That fire is the love of God. It's proceeding. I don't even think we get it. On the day of Pentecost... 120, upper room. They've been seeking the Lord for 10 days after the ascension. Jesus ascended, didn't tell them how long, left them in a room for 10 days. I love him. His leadership, if I was leading that, I'd be like, guys, just wait 10 days, you'll be fine. No, he just goes, peace out. Go to Jerusalem and wait there until. How many of you have ever felt that until? 
the tension of the until. David had the tension of the until because he got gripped, but he always had an until. Right? Psalm 132. He says, until the Lord finds a dwelling place. He goes, I'll not go into my house or give slumber to my eyes or sleep to my eyelids until. So that upper room community, that Jerusalem church community had an until on their heart. And they're in the tension of it. They're not waiting for their ministry to get launched. They're waiting for him. They're waiting for. They want Jesus back. Right? Their motivation isn't, well, I'm going to launch my global enterprise. They're not in the upper room like, well, this is going to be the start. We're about to get it, guys. We're about to get millions of dollars and be world famous, so let's just tarry here until he gives it to us. It wasn't even on their minds. Jesus, the love of their life, had just ascended to the Father. They can't live without him. He said, if you go there, I'll give you something better than me being with you. John 14, he goes, hey, it's better that I leave because if I leave, I'll send someone. And he'll come in you and on you in a way that I could never be in one human body. He'll possess your whole being. He'll consume your mind, your will, your emotions, your physical body. It's better. It's better that I ascend because when I ascend, just wait. I'm going to send the helper and the helper's going to come on you and he's going to change the way you think and feel and walk and live. Your emotions will change. Your mind will change. You'll think differently because he will live in you in a way that you could only have dreamed of and in that moment the pinnacle the desire of all of redemptive history comes into fullness when fire comes on 120 and what is the fire what is the fire it's his affection it's his love and it rested on the 120, which became 3,000 in five minutes. And then every day people were being added. And then it began to multiply. And now we're sitting in these chairs. Because the Lord put his supernatural affection upon a group of people. It's what Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3. If you don't pray Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, make it a life prayer. He goes, Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, I bow before you and I ask that these Ephesians would be strengthened in their mind, will, and emotions. That they would be strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit in your emotions. You know, it's the will of God for you that you think and feel differently. And here's the great part. You can't do it for yourself. You can't do it for yourself. You need him. And here's the other great part. If you talk to him and stay in the scriptures and sing and talk to him and don't stop, he will do it. He'll give you power in your emotions to live in a way you never thought you could live. He goes, strengthen them with might in their emotions, in their hearts, in their inner man. That they would be rooted and grounded in love, comprehending with all the saints the height, depth, width, and breadth of the love of Christ that passes knowledge. That they would be filled up to the measure of the fullness of God. And when you catch that prayer as, a, as available, not just super spiritual, 
you start to pray it. So I want to encourage this house, and you're already doing it, to give the next decade of your life to the pursuit of a personal, experiential, tangible relationship, a comprehending, that's what Paul says, comprehending the love of Christ with all the saints. That might sound like a good idea. It's more than a good idea. It, it's your calling. I'm going to say it real clear. It's your calling. When people say, what are you called to? Oh, I'm called to be a missionary or a pastor or an electrician or a father. All that's true. It's your assignment. It's your part of your calling. But I want to tell you what your calling is. You want to know your calling? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's your calling. That's your destiny. And you know what? You only get that one way. We love because he first loved us. I feel like the revelation of the God of gladness is, is coming here today. Jesus. This isn't just a sermon series. This is the pursuit of the rest of our life. It's the foundation of the house of prayer. We never graduate. I didn't get to get there, but I'll advertise it. Jesus takes this to the next level in the what we call the upper room discourse of John 13 through 17. He unpacks this truth in ways that we cannot even comprehend. The fact that God loves us in a way that God loves God and catches us up into this Trinitary. It, it's all in the red letters. It's in the prayer of Jesus to the Father. And then at the very end of the high priestly prayer, he goes, Father, I've declared to them my name, your name. I will continue to declare it, that the love with which you loved me would be in them. That them is you. Now, don't just brush past that. When he said that them, he goes, I'm not only praying for the 12, I'm praying for all those who would believe. So he's thinking of you personally. And he goes, I pray that Gio would love me the way the father loves me. What? That's your destiny. So Lord, we, we pray right now. That you would take this house on a journey into the gladness of God. I saw the Lord serving wine here. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> a, A lot of us would rather have the fire, which is that consecration, but it, the, the fire and the wine mingle, mingle together. But the wine, 
You know, on that day of Pentecost, when the Lord came, when the Holy Spirit came, they walked in the room and they go, well, these people are just drunk. And Peter goes, no, it's nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk, as you suppose. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. They're not drunk, as you suppose. They're being made joyful in the house of prayer. And yeah, they got new languages where they were declaring the praises of God and they, they couldn't even say, their language wasn't even enough. He took it up into a new place. Suddenly they're speaking in ways that are beyond comprehension. Suddenly they're in the river of God's presence and power. I want to tell you, stay in the river. And that's... The river's not just a manifestation. I want to be clear. It's not just shaking at the altar. The river is how you hold your heart in the conversation before God. It's not, it's not even enough to come and have a good ministry time and experience Him. That's amazing. But it's stay in the conversation. Stay, abide in my love. So I ask you, Holy Spirit. Keep abide in the river. Keep abide abiding. Let abide abide. And now I ask you for that baptism of fire. You know, whenever there's a new season, there's a baptism that makes the transition into the new season. That's the way God does it. He baptizes you in transitions. I believe there's a, I believe there's a baptism of fire coming to this house. And the Lord's going to give you a stewardship of that and there will be adversaries come Holy Spirit Let the river flow, Holy Spirit, come, move in power, let the river flow, let the river flow, let the river flow. Can we just, for a moment, just lift our voices? It's just sing, sing in the spirit. Let's minister to the Lord's presence for Yeah, la 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 la
Father, we ask you for fullness. For those that are dry. I even feel like as David was sharing, there are some that you've adopted the language and you know how to play the part, but inwardly you're tired and dry. And the Lord wants to remove that weight and burden. He says, come. The pain of ministry and the disappointment and the betrayal. One of the things that wine was used for was for healing. Even for those that you gave, your, you've labored in ministry and you're wounded and tired and you'd, you'd stay separate. I feel like there's opportunity by the Holy Spirit to receive healing. This isn't you saying yes to a system of man. It's God saying, I will have you. So Father, release your healing balm all over this room. Would you go deep? We speak to that calling as deep calls unto deep. Would you resurrect? And would you bring life? of soul that there would be a lightness and airiness a refreshing of soul not Disney World like one day I'm talking about a refreshing of soul we pray for a restoration of marriages passions we ask you God not to just pour it out in this room but in the region would you pour out the wine and the fire over our region, God. Let Tampa Bay be known as a place where the Lord is there. You're dry, you're weary, you're tired. You can just go and drink of the river. It never stops flowing. It never stops flowing.
rest on every heart. I really feel this, so I'm just going to say it. I, I really feel like there's grace for people. The phrase I keep hearing is like, you're faking it till you make it. Maybe if I just muster my way through, then breakthrough and measure will come. I, I literally feel like God wants to take a weight off of you and a reliance upon Holy Spirit. So if that, if that makes sense to you, you're like, man, it's been heavy, but I've been trying. There's no shame. We just want to pray. Just lift up your hands and we're going to pray. Can I get some of my team? We're just going to pray through this right here, right now. Just find someone next to you. As a family, we're just going to, right here, right now. We thank you, Father, that you withhold nothing from your children. You withhold nothing. You withhold nothing. Oh, God, let there be a divine exchange. Release your presence in greater measure. Oh, God, release your presence in greater measure. Let there be joy. Let there be peace. Would you lift the burden? Would you lift the burden? Remove the yoke of striving, the yoke of comparison, the yoke of competition. God, would you baptize them in your love, in your affirmation, in your grace, in your mercy? You want to touch them more than they want to be touched. disappointment holy 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 let your goodness pass before them give them grace to remember your words I feel like God has even spoken things over you and the discouragement has been so great you have forgotten but father we ask for a grace to remember to remember all that you've done and all that you've spoken in Jesus' name over your family. We despise not your work. removing hooks like these hooks that have been sunken in deep that have held you back as you've tried to pursue they pull you back father would you remove every hook the fear the jealousy the striving would you remove it's deep but there's grace by the Holy Spirit to remove we thank you for a grace to run in your beloved 
you release your delight? Would you release your delight all over the room that the affirmation love of Abba would rest upon you? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You break rejection. just in this room but as they go to their houses and workplaces would you crash in on those places would you be God in the midst God in the midst of the trial and difficulties God in the midst thank you father for filling Gen Z with new wine Let them be raised up different. That may our ceiling be their floor. May they experience the pleasures of God in greater measure and walk in purity and righteousness and faithfulness and diligence because they've seen you. Mark them God. From the oldest to the youngest, would you mark us? Oh, would you mark us, God? say if you would come I will drown your sorrow in my wine Paul writes to Timothy a little wine for your stomach and I feel the Lord is going to drown pain in wine this morning and so if that's you if you've just been struggling with deep sorrow grief would you just come and I actually feel like sometimes when we have these altar calls, we're coming to cry and to put, I actually feel like you're gonna laugh. And I feel like the Lord is actually gonna pour out fresh vats of wine. He says, I've reserved the good stuff for you. Top shelf for you only. So that's you come, receive joy evermore. Fresh wine for your stomach. Wine that makes your heart glad, come now receive fresh wine just open and say lord fill me again lord fill me let me drink deep of your pleasure forevermore in the name of jesus in the name of jesus fresh wine fresh wine 
fresh wine. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, Lord, we just drink deep of your wine right now. Oh, sorrow is not your portion. Sorrow is not your, oh, there it is. Sorrow is not your portion. <laughs> Some of you are scared. Don't be scared. It's okay. Your dad's here. It's okay to be happy. Thank you for restoring the joy of seeing dad come home from work through the door. My dad's here. Everything is okay. Oh, fresh wine. Fresh wine. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, fresh wine. Drink deep. Drink deep. Drink deep. Drink deep. It's easy. It's easy. You don't have to fit. You don't have to try. Oh, this wine goes down really easy. This wine goes down easy. It smooths out the rough edges. Thank you, God, for fresh wine right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, fresh wine, fresh wine, choice wine, mixed with spices from heaven. In the name of Jesus, it's flavorful. It's not a chore. Wine for your stomach. We declare never the same, never the same, never the same, never the same. Some of you are like, that's been the story of my life. It's a new story. That story's over. That story's over. Guard their mouths and their lips from speaking against all of your workings, God. Of your habitation, the place where your glory dwells. Your presence has become true food. You have become true drink. Thank you, Father. 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 Thank you. Would you release your delight? The revelation of a happy God who wants us more than we want Him. Thank you for your plans and purposes over them. Let there be life. Abundant life.
all things new. Oh, you make all things new. You make all things new. It's who you are. Some of you are like, I don't know if it can change. He makes all things. This is a God who spoke existence. Release your word. You do nothing halfway. Everything you start, you finish. If it's not good, he's not done. You're the God of more than enough. You are healer. You are savior. Oh, you are strong tower. You are mighty deliverer. You are the repairer of the breach. You are gentle lover. Jealous bridegroom. God, may we never grow tired of exploring the fullness of you. You pour out new wine, new wine, new wine, new wine over your people, God. New wine, new wine. New wine, new wine. Oh, we love your presence. your joy is our strength we pray for a strengthening right now in Jesus name for the weak and the feeble those that just crawled in here we pray a strengthening in your spirit in your inner man by the Holy Spirit God wants to touch you more than you want to be touched by him they're like God I'm reaching I'm really like God wants to touch you and it doesn't have to look like the laughing over here it can be peace but God we ask for an awareness of your person upon every person Jesus in the midst We're not, we're not going to close, so if you're waiting for us to close, you'll just be here all day, so 
bless you. I encourage you. If God's touching you, just stay. We're going to leave it open. This is the conclusion. Let, let God's word go deep into your heart. Deep into your heart. Don't leave until it lifts.